You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, makers of PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off The Grid. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? Charles, I'm a bit negative. Oh, a bit negative. We're all a bit negative. We're all a bit negative today, aren't we? It's um, that's the big news. Are we going to jump straight in? Well, the tank guy is the tank next. Your tank now. Um, can well, look, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, no, as we're sort of preparing for this thing, we're sort of dealing with a lot of sort of, you know, thing around the place. Um, we had the water tank man to sort of clear out the sediment at the bottom of the tanks. And um, I can report that all is well. And we're <laughs> the water's flowing. Good, good. <laughs> the water's flowing. Well, we had, we had a guy um, come in and sort of jump in there in his undies the other day because he, um, the last time the... Uh, the last time the network Rem- people came around, remind to me few- to remind me to bring some bottled water when I come to your place. <laughs> Look, it's Jesus. All, I, was, I was sort of thinking about that because he sort of jumped in because because one of the plastic tanks that actually sort of was crushed in by a, a, a falling branch that had been done by the guys clearing the trees for the networks, and uh, they didn't even tell us about it. We noticed about three weeks later, and. Um, and, um, and so, so you thought, we need a guy in his underpants to get We need a guy in his underpants to get into our drinking water and sort of fix it all up. So he did. And um, um, He was from Mullumbimby too, I bet, wasn't he? Yes, he was from the environs. Yes, yeah. Fortunately, I didn't give him a beer until afterwards. So, um, <laughs> I'm not too sure if that's a really good start to a solar podcast, actually. Oh, I don't know whether that's quite what they've come know, to listen to. It's about listen, intimacy, right? It but, is. But it let's is, get on yes. to the neg. Yeah. <laughs> Look, before we get on to the neg, we're also going to welcome, um, uh, and it's probably a time to shout out to our sponsors, which is Solar Analytics and PV Cell. And we do have PV Cell's Warwick Johnson on later on in the program. I've done an interview with him Fantastic. about the um, about the uh, state of the solar PV industry, of course, and some other things. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, he's a wealth of information and, and um, you know, his numbers are as uh, as good as anyone's and his calculation tool, uh, PV Cell, still one of the best in the world, I think, for uh, PV economic analysis. So it'd be great to hear his thoughts. And he's also a good bloke and he's um, hosting some solar in uh, a, a solid drinks up here in, uh, in, in Byron Bay this week, which won't be nearly as big as the solid drinks in Sydney um, <laughs> that are going on. But anyway, look, I think the talk is going to be about the neg. Um, but not yeah, just about the neg, also about the ACCC sequence of events. So look, let's get one thing. Um, we're recording here on a Tuesday, and I've mm-hmm. just come away from the television watching Question Time, and before that, the media conference between Turnbull and Frydenberg, mm-hmm. sort of claiming peace in our time about um, emissions and climate policy. And it was just so d- damn dispiriting. Um, I sort of almost have to sort of pick myself up off the, f- off the floor. So um, we look like we're going to have a national energy guarantee. The scary thing about the national energy guarantee guarantee is that the modelling, the modelling, um, believe it or not, claims that there will be not a single large-scale wind turbine erected, not a single large-scale solar panel installed, and not a single large-scale battery unit uh, built in Australia from about 2022 to 2030. So about mm. an eight-year investment drought, drought sorry, in um in the energy industry which we are told is undergoing you know rapid and fundamental change so 
This neg is just one of the. It's just one of the things. That, I mean, this whole thing is just basically solving a bunch of lies, um, including this idea that you can actually stop the future in its tracks, mm. including the bizarre idea that you can achieve five hundred and fifty dollars in price reductions. Well, look, four hundred dollars of those comes from the new renewables, which are being built under the renewable energy target. The other hundred and fifty, apparently, for the lower financing cost for the new development that they say will not be built. So, look. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of all up, all over the shop here, but um, um, it's pretty what damn depressing. Um, not yeah. yet finalised because it, it's got to go back to the states, but um, we'll just see what they say. But they'll be under enormous political pressure, mainly because the mainstream media is so bloody hopeless on this, um, and they're only in, in the polit- they're only interested in the politics rather than the detailed policy. It's very frustrating, isn't it? And, and the whole thing's a bit of a shambles. And 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 of course, it's it's a very divisive issue too. There's been huge divisive views on you know whether the neg should be supported or whether it shouldn't be supported um, over the last week or so. And it's it's a really bloody divisive, horrible issue um, with very little good news. Except I have to say, there are two pieces of good news that I take out of this whole exercise. Number one, I just read online a little while ago that the only person who explicitly voted against it was Tony Abbott and so what that means is that he even looks even more outside the realms of reality which you know it's hard to believe that but he just um, appears to be you know a, a ship on his own ocean um, uh, which is great because I think the less that attention that is paid to him the better um, and secondly the other piece of good news in all of this Giles is I don't think this is going to stop us I don't think householders are going to suddenly stop putting solar on their roof because the most immediate, effective and affordable way to reduce your energy bills remains solar uh, for for both homeowners and businesses. So I don't think it's going to stop us in our tracks. It is devastating for investment certainty for large guys, though. I, I, um, I do feel for them. Well, I've got two points to make about that. One, um, Tony Abbott, yes, may be um, even crazier than we thought he was beforehand. Um, now he wants to actually stop the renewable energy target immediately and just sort of tear up all the certificates and he wants to pull us out of the climate, climate, Paris Climate um, Treaty. Yeah. But the problem with the neg is that it's moved so far to the right, it's taken the politics of energy so far to the right towards exactly where Tony Abbott would have liked it to have been when he was Prime Minister. Basically, yeah. having a policy which purports to claim that you can actually stop renewables in their track, notwithstanding whether that that's actually going to happen or not, but purports mm. to claim that is just mm. extraordinary. And we've had Malcolm Turnbull up here today saying he is not going to budge on emissions, says the man who swore never to leave a party that didn't take climate change seriously, mm-hmm. and he will fight Labor on emissions reduction targets next year. So the idea that this whole need can actually sort of address and, and solve this um, climate change, or sort of this little partisanship on climate change, mm. is completely out the window because mm. they are going to be fighting there. They're going to be saying the same old scare campaign. Um, about emissions. But look, the other big thing for the solar industry is what happens with the ACCC um, recommended packages yes. of 56 things. Now, this is Rod Sims. He had 56 recommendations. Amongst them were some interesting ones like writing down the value of government-owned networks, about trying to sort of reduce the uh, maximum price that retailers could charge, even though se- several owners have said that that's pretty much hocus-pocus because it just means that they get around that by offering reduced um, discounts. Mm-hmm. The idea of having an auction for new capacity but also more most troubling 
uh, to actually abolish the small-scale renewable energy scheme by 2021. He actually wanted to abolish it immediately, um, came up with a number of 2021, I think because he wants to go out and buy some solar panels himself in the meantime. Um, that's actually his spokesman said that. Um, what, what he's been down, he's been down in Canberra in the last couple of days talking to the Nationals and then the Liberals on Tuesday morning, arguing that you can't just take one of these um, recommendations, you must, he is urging them you must adopt all 56 as one and that includes abolishing the ESRES. Now we know that the government is going to run with this auction for new dispatchable generation. Mm -hmm. Now some people laugh at the fact that that's going to build new coal-fired generators. Um, I laugh at that too except to point out that you could actually frame that tender in such a way by having demand for so much storage, in other words baseload, which is what Turnbull was talking about today. Yes. You, could you could frame it that way that it basically rules out all competitors and coal gets a run in. So that's one thing. So mm. the question is, if they do run with that, are they going to take all the other 55 things as well? Mm -hmm. um, I think the solar industry needs to hope not because um, it may survive an abolishment of the ESRES, but it will certainly add to this solar coaster and I think it will be a massive dip and we'll probably see a boom in the meantime and then a dip afterwards and no, I don't think that's dip. good. No, it's not. And we've seen this before. And, and you know, I personally wrote to Minister Frydenberg yesterday um, at the prompting of uh, the Smart Energy Council, who are on the front foot on this issue, and uh, took the opportunity to write to him and highlight You that, did a Dear um, Josh letter. I did a Dear Josh letter. I, I certainly did. I reminded him that there's a, a, in a, in addition to all the billions of dollars worth of private investment by mums and dads in Australia and businesses, that there are, you know, two million homes, uh, six gigawatts of, of capacity. Um, it, 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 it's continuing uh, 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 with gusto this year, uh, and uh, there's an awful lot of votes, an awful lot of votes in those homes. And um, whether they have solar or whether they're considering solar, um, there will be a price to pay uh, if they take away the simplest, easiest, most affordable, most tangible way for consumers to actually take control of their energy. And uh, I urged him to really consider that, let alone the GST, the payroll tax, uh, the indirect jobs and all the other benefits that come from what is now a very, very material industry in this country. I have no fathomable idea, fathomable idea why they would bother to try and wind back a scheme that is already winding back in a managed way. It is already coming down each year and it's delivering billions of dollars worth of investment every year. Why on earth they would touch it, uh, I have no idea. It's craziness to me. Particularly when you see the AEMO um, report about the integrated system plan and the important that distributed energy, which is you know rooftop solar and battery storage, which will follow in the future grid, they think that's, that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. And um, the people who get penalised from this are the people who have not yet gotten solar. And most of them um, are not the people who live in you know Point Piper or down in Kuyong uh, or mm -hmm. wherever where sort of Frydenberg and Turnbull live. It's the people who have not had access to solar because, A, um, they haven't been able to afford the upfront um, uh, cost. They live in apartments, they live in rentals, um, or they live in other places where it's been difficult to get solar. That rebate, even though it's declining, is still a crucial 
um, ingredient in getting those schemes which actually deliver solar to those rental households, to those apartment dwellers, to those low income households, absolutely crucial. And not to mention the farmers out there in regional Australia who are doing it tough and would love to see lower electricity costs for all the pumps and things that they use, um, yep. presuming they've got water. So look, it doesn't make sense at all, but look, um, nothing much makes sense, but still things happen. <laughs> so um, you, know, you wouldn't say, you know, they'd be crazy to do that because they would be crazy to do that. Yeah. And yeah. they are crazy to do that. They are crazy. Yeah, uh, we'll, look, we'll, we'll, we'll survive. Um, I really hope they don't mess with such a great scheme that's been going for so long. It'd be a real tragedy. Yeah, look, let's but take guess, this opportunity. Yeah, look, let's take this opportunity to listen to what Warwick says because he's giving um, a mm, bit of analysis probably. about um, the state of the industry and what makes commercial solar tick, etc., and some other really interesting insights. So uh, here's Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz and PV Cell. Warwick from Sunwiz. And PV still. Um, it's great to finally catch up. G'day, Charles. Oh, we'd love to see you face to face. Look, it is really good, and um, we're sorry we couldn't get you together with uh, Nigel uh, as part of this podcast, but we all had sort of separate agendas. But um, here we are anyway, and um, it's good to see you back up in Byron Bay. I know, uh, we've both got shoes on. How was that? We've both got shoes on, we've both been for a surf, so it's all pretty good. Yeah. Um, both pretty happy, seen some whales, seen, seen some dolphins. Look, let's talk seriously about some solar stuff. Um, we've mentioned in the discussion with Nigel about this idea from the ACCC that the uh, solar rebate should be removed, and he was in the Liberal Party party room and the Nationals party room this week sort of saying that if you're going to take my package, it's going to be one size fits all, you've got to take the lot, and that includes abolishing the ESRES. It doesn't seem like the coalition's quite gone for that. They're certainly going for that one piece of thing that they like, which is a new, you know, maybe a new coal-fired generator or a new firming contract. Do you think that? Do you think they'd actually do that? Uh, I seriously doubt anyone would have the guts to remove uh, SRES uh, with all the opposition they would face, um, particularly given how unpopular they are, particularly how challenging it's been to uh, make any uh, adjustment to the renewable energy target in, in the past, um, especially with this parliament. I, I think they'd be um, you know, cutting themselves off the kneecap if, if they even tried to do something um, you know, this close to an election. So. I highly doubt they're going to um, reduce the SRES. Uh, such a popular thing. Well, that's good. Look, if, let's say if they did, what would that probably mean? It'd probably be another boom-bust thing, but what would it actually mean for the economics of solar, you know, three years down the track? Uh, be very significant impact. Uh, you know, typical, at typical prices you're seeing, SRES is maybe a 40% reduction on system prices, but um, at the lower end of uh, what people are putting in, uh, you know, it, it's more. And so you'd, you'd see significant increase in, in system prices. Um, there would be more incentive in, to install higher quality components, perhaps, um, offset by the need to cut costs further somewhere as well. So, And a lot of installers are doing it pretty tough. Look, one, one of the big market segments that they're really enjoying at the moment is co- commercial um, solar PV. That's sort of finally taking off and it's predicted to go well for another couple of years. What are you seeing in that market at the moment? Look, uh, record volumes and just continuing to be record volumes month after month it um, it always gets boring uh, reporting which record has been broken but um, we're certainly not bored of uh, reporting records Um, but uh, for example just in the last month uh, I think it was a record 37% of volume in the STC market was in the commercial uh, segment so what what this all points to is if uh, you're a solar installer and you're not 
getting a, a significant amount of experience in commercial uh, sales and installations, um, then, then really you're being left behind and it's really time to pick up your game. How do you get into the solar market? Because you were saying something interesting before we recorded this interview about the rising, um, well, you know, about the cost of energy prices, about how they've kind of already, that they've gone high and they've kind of stuck there. And that a lot of commercial, a lot of consumers, particularly bigger energy consumers in the commercial area, might have just gotten used to it and just think, well, what can they do and why should they bother? Look, I remember when uh, petrol went above a dollar per litre for the first time and everyone was like, I'll never drive my car again. And then uh, look at us, we, we you know, don't bat an island at a dollar fifty. Um, now, of course, with electricity prices, what's incentivised a lot of people to, to go ahead and buy a solar system now is the significant jump in electricity prices that's happened recently. And all forecasts are that are going to be steady for a while and then ease off at, uh, at some point in the coming years. Um, certainly not back to where they were. So people need to start shifting their sales message from, you know, a get in because electricity prices are skyrocketing because that's no longer going to uh, you know, find a hook to in somebody's psyche. That's not going to be a driving force when they open their bill. They're no longer going to be shocked. So it needs to be pointing more towards that this is the best economic uh, financial decision you could make. Um, you know, look at the return on investment of this. You can't get that by putting your money in the bank, all those sorts of things. And that also you know, that works for um, residential, of course, which is more of an emotive sale, but especially for commercial, where we're seeing paybacks of you know three years on sometimes, but commonly under five-year paybacks on commercial installations, and that just you know why would you put your money anywhere else? Well, exactly, yeah. What happens when prices actually do start coming down though? Will there be the same incentive? Well, it's going to be interesting at that, at that point. Uh, there certainly won't be the urgency to act, though I suspect uh, as electricity prices come down, we'll find some other reason to, to be urgency. It may be that um, incentives uh, shift and change uh, in, in various parts. It may be that's what coincides with uh, batteries becoming uh, more affordable and then the, the focus and shift becomes, let's uh, see how we can get those out into the market. So there's actually quite a lot for installers to think about. What, what are some of the other things that they need to need to adopt? I mean, I mean, you've actually got a few resources um, in your PV cell product too, I think. Yeah, look, we're all about helping uh, our users to become better at selling. Uh, and it's not just about uh, you know, how you, you know, demonstrate the financials of, of PV, but it's about how you communicate them. It's making sure you're uh, targeting the right businesses and, and the right customers and, and doing so uh, efficiently and effectively. I speak with a lot of companies that don't really even have uh, good uh, referral systems in place. So incentives for their residential customers to refer them to the businesses that they work at in a way which actually has some psychological stick rather than just a once-off forgotten you know, few hundred bucks you might get if, you, um, if your boss takes it up. So you know, re referral programs are an uh, obvious one. And then even going back to people's database and saying, well, let's go and target all our existing customers with options of upgrading or referring us for commercial. It's a whole suite of different things which gets overlooked by most businesses which are always trying to figure out uh, where's the next sale going to come from. So is that what PV Cell is? It like a software that helps people do that? It's a, it's a sales tool. It helps people sell solar. Uh, it delivers those aha moments to your customer. Uh, I absolutely have to get solar. This makes sense to me for the first time. No one's ever explained it like this to me before. And also I can see why I should go with your business as well. I trust you. I can see you're different to the competition, uh, all of the above. And we've got some exciting things coming up in the software too. 
Oh, that's good to hear. Hey, look, let's just touch back on the some of the data that you guys um, released last week and um, just sort of talking about the mix of rooftop solar and large-scale solar. In between them, you note that they're already, at the end of July, more than what they were for the whole of 2017. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Uh, 2018, uh, 2017, last year was a record year, 1.3 gigawatts worth of PV installed in the country and a record across most segments. Uh, but we've already eclipsed that and we're only in July and that's not even accounting for some of the lag in reporting that we see. So. It's extraordinary what's happening out there uh, in every different market segment. And uh, you know, even on the utility scale, uh, you know, announcement after announcement of projects either about to proceed or, or you know, getting connected to the grid. And it's just an exciting time to work in the solar industry. Absolutely. Look, and if you want to keep track of that, in fact, no, if you want to keep track of that, of course, um, we'll give a plug for our, our joint little venture, the Large Scale Lookout, which gives a pretty detailed um, or a very detailed summary of all the projects which are being built, which are being commissioned, which are in the pipeline, where they are, who are they doing it, why they're doing it, and um, all the other stuff that they need to know. What, what else have I missed out in that data? Oh, there's also a database of every uh, system that's been installed over 100 kilowatts as well. Uh, and so that's fascinating to, to look at and mine and decide from that which are the best companies to, to target for you know, systems over 100 kilowatts. And we're seeing interesting things there. One of the, the leading um, uh, uptake areas for systems over 100 kilowatts is actually uh, retirement homes and uh, those sort of nursing homes and villages etc fascinating what's going on and it's also interesting because once you know and get a bit of a picture about where all those large-scale projects are, are going that's actually critical information because what we're starting to see over the last couple of months in Victoria in southwest Queensland and North Queensland we actually um, southwest New South Wales sorry North Queensland and we had a story about this the network constraints so some of the developers are actually being surprised because there's other projects in the area and they need to know that information or have some sort of idea because that's going to influence a about their potential marginal loss factors. It's, mm -hmm. going to, um, it's going to give them important information about the about the potential for network constraints. We're starting to see that in, in Victoria now. So um, pretty important stuff. Yeah, we like to refer to this as a, the Fertile Crescent. We've got a, a, a map of all these systems across Australia. And yeah, there are some which are jam-packed right up against each other at the, um, the thin wedge of the Crescent. Um, and then uh, more spread out as it comes through uh, you know, southwest uh, New South Wales and East Victoria. But yeah, well, I was at, actually just at the Clean Energy Summit last week, and um, there, there was one chap sort of getting very excited about some massive solar and storage project he planned for the border of New South Wales and South Australia in anticipation that the new Riverlink um, transmission thing would go ahead. That's been planned by um, by AEMO and uh, TransLink, I think. Um, and it was interesting just today, Sanjeev Gupta um, turning the sod or doing an opening ceremony for the um, hit the first of his one gigawatt of solar farms in in South Australia. So. 280 megawatts near Wyala, um, probably about another gigawatt to come. Um, and if he is to be believed, over the next five or ten years, another 10 gigawatts. So we're going to need a bigger map. Uh, look, and uh, we're even planning on exporting this uh, across the uh, across the seas uh, to Asia, uh, Indonesia, and Singapore. There's a couple of planned projects that you've mentioned, and you know that those are 10 gigawatt projects. So um, you know, if you're thinking about visionary and uh, ambitious projects, then you know you don't just think about waiting for the uh, the Riverlink connection to come through. <laughs> 
let's lay some uh, few thousand kilometres of high voltage DC cables across to the north. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And um, I think Adam Finkel's actually just producing a report at the moment about um, hydrogen exports, and that's really based around solar and wind energy. And um, it was interesting here, the South Australian Premier this week, a man who's probably been seen as decrying renewables in the past, getting really excited about the idea of solar exports. So um, there you go. And I'm, I think he's meaning not just interstate, I think he's me- meaning overseas as well. Look, Warwick, um, it's been great having you. Um, we do thank um, you and PV Cell and Sunwiz for your continued sponsorship of this podcast, and um, we hope that we get you back real quickly. Uh, a pleasure to be here with you, Giles. And um, yeah, as I said, keep an eye out on some of the coming features of PV Cell. Uh, we think these are really going to change things in the market. Good on you, Warwick. So that was Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz and PV Cell. Um, Nigel, it was great to have him on the program. It's a shame we couldn't get all together at the same time, but um, mm. competing diaries and things like that, but never mind. Great words of wisdom from, from Woz. He's, uh, he's been around for a long time and really has a good vision on the market. So that's that fits well into what we were talking about earlier about how the market's heading and um, and, and, and why those um, why those small support mechanisms are so important. Let's move on to some other topics now. Um, organic solar cells have set a remarkable energy record. What's happening here, Nigel? It's true, actually. Um, you know, organic solar is kind of one of those things that's been talked about for a long, long time. Um, there's a number of forms of it, um, and, and, and in, in essence, what it's about is replacing silicon with carbon-based materials um, that allows you to do all sorts of other things. And, of course, the aim is reduce um, the cost and potentially increase the, uh, the flexibility um, and, and there's been a lot of work done in China recently and a big announcement out of there. Um, they're using um, organic photovoltaics in the form of a dissolved ink uh, or the, the, the organics are dissolved in ink so they can then basically print them onto plastics, right? It's, it's a bit of a dream if they can actually get it um, right. Um, and the challenge has always been uh, around efficiency. They've never been able to get the efficiency beyond about 8 or 10%, which is just way out of the class these days with most solar panels at 15 to 20 25% or even better if you're uh, if you're up in the in the top end. Um, but in April, researchers were able to reach 15%, and uh, they they actually uh, got close to 17% uh, in some f- further tests. And now they're saying they believe 25% is possible. Um, they're also working very very hard on um, and believe they've got some keys to a 20-year lifetime, um, which has also been a, a real issue. Um, so they're still away from uh, commercial application, but um, a real milestone to get the technology to that efficiency level. Huge amount of work to be done yet, but really, really exciting news in organics. So um, fingers crossed that they can move that forward. Well, that's pretty interesting stuff. Now, looking more at the domestic scene, um, we've got some example of some good solar and some bad solar. Let's go to solar first. Yeah, good solar first. I was lucky enough to get up into uh, up to Townsville uh, last week to the uh, Queensland chapter of the uh, SEIA SEIA event. Um, always a good show, great turn up. The best thing about this um, for my whole team who went up is just meeting the most wonderful people, especially people from rural areas who are chugging away up there in Queensland. We heard from a, a, a real nice variety of people. Um, Ergon Energy were there, uh, lots of installers there, lots of talk about batteries, lots of talk about quality. And again, the same same thing, which is always so... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's heartening when you go to these events and you meet so many people who are passionate about doing solar well. That's the best thing about it. And great folks, uh, honest, uh, genuine folks from the country. So um, great opportunity to be up in, in Townsville um, doing that. 
Good on you. Okay, that's great. That sounds great. On the flip side, however, what have you got for us? Yeah, Crap Solar. So there's a couple of things in Crap Solar. Um, it was actually at Townsville that um, uh, Pat was there and talked about um, the fact that the Clean Energy Council is working very hard on keeping uh, not only the solar panel manufacturers honest, but also the inverter manufacturers honest. They've now delisted a, uh, a sixth inverter in Australia in just a few months. Uh, the Omnic New Energy uh, um, brand of inverters um, has been delisted as of 13th of August uh, due to so, non-compliance. So what's happening here? Is this a sudden crackdown? Or they just, or they just all, have they just decided now to sort of, okay, we've just got to get these um, low-quality ones out of the market? Look, I think it's been, a, it's been a slow but steady ramp up of their activity towards compliance testing. Uh, they do it anonymously. So they go out and they anonymously purchase both solar panels and inverters and they run them through the mill to keep uh, manufacturers honest. Um, they also respond um, to uh, complaints from network companies or from people who are seeing failure rates out there. So there's a process to bring products to the CEC's attention and then they anonymously anonymously get out there and shop them and test them and uh, this is another one that uh, failed the anti-islanding test and and a number of other uh, non-compliances as well apparently so it's a great thing to see they're really making everyone work really hard to keep the quality up on these products so good things good and look there's another company sort of emerged that we urge people um, to treat with extreme caution Mm. because it may well be a single operator outside out running out of Melbourne but they're claimed to be the third biggest solar um, company in the world or something stupid I mean just um, just treat with caution what's their name Nigel Uh, their name is solar green Australia and you know this is a case study for for any end users who are listening or indeed anyone else who's out there trying to um, show customers how to buy quality and, and and so forth this is a case study in how to pick a, um, a company that you should be very very careful about it was brought to my attention a couple of days ago and and I think I spent about all of about five minutes googling and searching and discovered firstly that there's a marketing company behind them um, so the actual solar company themselves are not really a solar company they're actually just a marketing company um, they're a sole trader um, which um, kind of it's not necessarily a bad thing but it certainly raises alarm bells uh, at an extraordinary level when a sole trader who's actually a marketing company purporting to be a solar company says and I quote Solar Green Australia is one of the three biggest solar companies in the world by revenue we employ over 9,700 people and operate in six continents they also say we are government and I quote government approved company to improve to install solar now both of those facts are not facts both of those statements I should say are absolute garbage um, uh, if they were the... Th- alternative facts, I think, is the um, the expression. Alternative facts. Yeah, it's alt-truth, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Look, I'm, a, I'm- a, a classic example of, of just simple fact-checking and, and, and looking around and trying to understand who is this that I'm buying from. Essential advice for end users. Good stuff. Mate, we're going to have to wrap it up pretty quickly. Um, the EV and battery news, what's happening there? Oh, look, I've got to say something myself, actually. I went down and looked at a Jaguar I-Pace. In fact, I've got oh, one on my I've got one on my desk, actually, but it's only about five <laughs> centimetres long. Um, <laughs> and I'm not too sure the We've battery works. We've all got works. a drink. We've all got a drink. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and, yeah. and it's sitting in a glass case. Um, well. But look, um, um, but that's, that was slightly outside my um, price range. But it was interesting to see that Jaguar were talking um, la- um, last week about they've had the greatest response of inquiries from their customers that of for than any other model they've ever taken to market. So, oh, and considering that, that the um, mm. iPace is about twice this, twice the price of their cheapest. Um, model that's pretty interesting mm. and um the punters have been waiting patiently for the tesla model 3 including mm. yours truly mm. get to go down and stroke it and sit in it and look at it and stuff like that next next year mm-hmm. uh, next year well probably um no next week actually they're, f- they're finally being unveiled for the first time in australia even though they've probably been they've been sold for you know months and months and months in in america um but we'll probably be told it'll be another year before we actually get to drive um our own um Wow. That's um, that's an optimistic one. But look, it's interesting. So that'll be something. I don't know how many thousands of people actually stumped up the money in Australia, but um, I'll be counting the people in the queue outside next um, next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I know, I know a few people who are waiting for them myself, and um, you know, fingers crossed they arrive soon. Now, you you prompted me on EVs. You know, yes, I'm sorry about that. And then I jumped in with my own story. <laughs> yeah. Well, your your interview uh, with the South Australian guy who is heading the Senate Committee on Electric Vehicles. Tim um, Storer. Tim Storer. Um, listening to your um, interview with him prompted me to get off my backside and actually put a submission into um, the Senate Committee myself. So I put together a, a 10 or a 12 page submission. Um, I, I'm not going to, I'd love to read through every page of it, but that'd be really boring. But I'm going to give you the takeaways, Giles. Um, give me the takeaways, no. The, the, the takeaways. Um, the take- Takeaways are, firstly, it was, uh, my submission was titled Electric Motorcycles, Exciting Energy Storage. And, and n- not surprisingly, I focused it on electric two-wheelers. And the reason I did that is this. When you look at the IEA's 2017 report into EVs, the entire cumulative fleet of electric vehicles around the world reached about 2 million um, by 2016. That's all uh, cars, trucks, buses, all those types of things. However, in the same year almost 26 million electric two-wheelers were sold in China, right? So, um, and in that same year, only 486,000 EV battery cars were sold globally. So the point that I'm making, that I was really, really keen to make is don't forget the bikes. In fact, the way I described um, electric motorcycles and scooters offer a more affordable and highly practicable alternative for those willing and able to ride, they should be considered a gateway EV. Uh, so I urged them to consider it and I um, waxed lyrically about my experience as an owner, as a, someone who tried to sell them, uh, gave them a lot of data and encouraged them, uh, shared a whole lot of data that I had as well and encouraged them to um, consider the Gateway EV, which in my view is electric motorcycles. And you've been put that through to me a couple of weeks ago, and I still haven't published it. But you know, you know what I'm going to do, Nigel? You know what, what I'm going to do? I'm going to publish me. it because the next time we do this podcast, um, all things going well and fingers crossed, um, uh, Renew Economy will have its very own new EV website. <gasps> special. It's wow. called The Driven, and ah. it's under it's under development now. And Fantastic. we'll be starting to publish things in the next couple of days. Can I write something for you? Your, you can write something for me. We've got a few people writing stuff for us. Excellent. We've got a lot of interest on EV cars. And oh, so okay. this time next week, next, this time in a fortnight, it'll be there. And um, we'll, it'll be really interesting. I mean, there's just so much interest in EVs at the moment. So that's what we're going to tap into. Awesome. Um, we know new one economy thing, is the main thing. But um, yeah. just have lots more information out there about EVs, that more, more than we could possibly accommodate on, um, on our main website. 
There's so much going on. And, you know, one thing that we know for sure, Giles, is when we're sitting here in a year celebrating, you know, our 18-month celebration uh, or so uh, of this podcast, there are going to be a ton of these uh, uh, on the road in Australia and, 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 and available in Australia, and there are going to be a ton of them released around the world. There's so much going on in the space. Well, one ton would be equivalent to about one car, so <laughs> most likely. So, so I don't want to be pedantic with it, but I'm just still waiting to see where these damn models arrive. You know, where's where's Let's the leaf? The where's the vault? Where's the, the where's the, the where's the exactly. Kona? Where's, where's the, the zero? Where's, where's the, the zero? zero? We need where's the zeros the, back in Australia. Where's the model three? You know, yeah. God, look. Anyway, bring it. Hey, look, we're going to have to wrap it. this up because um, we've gone um, well over time, and um, we're just hoping that many people who listen to our podcast have had a very long car trip, done extra gardening, or taken a really long time doing the washing up um or just sort of lying down on the beach i hope you put some oil on just in case you don't get sunburned um and thanks thanks to thanks to thanks to all our listeners i keep bumping into listeners and and meeting listeners everywhere who who uh who tune in every fortnight um so thanks to you for coming back yeah thanks to you um thanks to you nigel thanks to you warwick and don't forget to give a recommendation to your friends and um we'll be back in a fortnight cheers now Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PVCell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy.